Welcome to the Rudo Love Podcast. Today, I have an ooh-ooh interview where I ask juicy questions to people that move me. And I've um, come to interview Ara Alam Simmons. And who is Ara, if you don't know already? Um, she is a, in her words, positive psychology practitioner, an internationally accredited coach with a background in education, well-being, community, and social justice. And that's certainly how I've met her through her amazing work through Manawaka O. And Ada describes her work as supporting others while thinking, presence, and contributions get overlooked. She champions meaningful engagement and real representation across diverse communities, which include Tetiriti, honoring approaches at its heart. Thank you so much, Ada. I'm, we're going to kind of keep it consolidated while also allowing for um, what's true in this moment to be what we focus on um, my task is to somehow manage <laughs> to keep um, a granule of, of framework around what we talk about. But um, if I miss anything, I'm probably going to be knocking on your door again because I there's a lushness to your mind and a surprising framing that you always bring to the table. So I can't wait for this. Thank you and welcome. Thanks so much, Rudo, for asking me and for the lovely introduction. Mm, have I missed anything? Would you like to add anything? I think you've captured it beautifully, so let's just leave it as it is. Okay. All right. Well, um, I first met you through Manawaka O, and the um, commitment statement there is deepening relationships, committed to connecting women to each other, to our Māori and Pacifica and wider communities centered in the place that we are, this Fenoa and Aotearoa, um, hence why you've got a, a Māori name in your title. Um, I feel like that builds really beautifully to my first question, which is around um, generative action, generative spaces, or being generative. So I was wondering about how you manage your own energy, um, what part of the work kind of has a sense of taking energy and what feels restorative, if I'm kind of understanding the concept of generative. But I might have missed the point with that word. Now that's a great question. And before I get there, um, you mentioned Manawaka'au. Mm. And so for me, that is a completely generative space. Mm. Yes, we do have a Māori name. I am not Māori. My heritage is Bengali, but born and raised in the UK. And um, I've known a Komatua, so I live out in West Auckland. Mm -hmm. And such a beautiful space to be in. Yeah. And I've had connections with a Komatua out West for a number of years, um, but it coincided with also um, a lack of space, a lack of generative space, particularly mm. for women from across the range of ethnic communities. Mm. So even the generative space that we ended up being involved in came out purely by accident. And so our Komatua, he gifted us a name, Manawaka'au, 
And that essentially means people of the waka, recognizing our talents and creativities, recognizing that we have left homelands, indigenous practices also, indigenous mm. connections to lands to mm. come to Aotearoa. But also we've come here with our challenges that we also need to work on. So what does that look, doing your own work on land that we know has been colonised? Yeah. Um, and Māori still have not received justice for what has taken place. So yet, so Pa gifted us our name, but in terms of the gap that was recognised, it was over a, a couple of years ago when women in a group would come together in a group, um, a state organisation brought the bringing together of a group of women. But the questions that were kept on us was, but there is no opportunity to connect and basically we don't have self-determination of mm. some of the things that we wish to do and we require A, B and C. And so I noticed that nobody really was doing anything in the space. And so all I set out to do was to collect a few names to form as part of a WhatsApp group. So even <laughs> the reality of we didn't even have each other's contact details. They were yeah. mediated by an institution. Wow. Yeah. Um, and from what transpired to having a WhatsApp group, to people thinking, oh, we don't have space for, you know, um, being in relationship. Mm -hmm. With Tangata Fanawa, what does that look like? So there were women asking for that. Women were asking for, okay, so what does leadership opportunity look like for us? Mm. What does access to resourcing look like for us? Mm. And so a couple of, a few repeated themes kept on emerging and I'm thinking, okay, what do you do with this information? You can't not just do anything. So... A response was made <laughs> in terms of it wasn't something I had anticipated for or thinking I have time for this. Mm. Um, but somehow we've ended up now in a situation where a small community collective of really passionate women, we run events and what we have come to refer to them as responding to healing justice in our community. Oh. We've also put on conversation around aspects that matter to us. So part of that is how we might engage in anti-racist responses, but also talk about the impacts of racism, not from a victim space, but from a space of how do we respond with solutions in this space. And also you saw most recently, and I so love this about you, Rudo, <laughs> you came along with your mama. 
Yeah. To we held an everyday solidarities event in February this year and that was the most beautiful conversation where we brought a group of panellists from community which also included the Honourable Marama Davidson for her continued work in the space um, for women and also the chief exec of the Ministry of Ethnic Communities, Mervyn Singham. Mm, that was amazing. Yeah. The and panel was yeah. incredible. The Addo, lineup. Rafika. Yes. You know, um, Savine. Oh, amazing individuals doing amazing mahi with their voices, Agreed. with their actions in community. So when I think about being generative the people in those spaces i think about who doesn't often get an opportunity to share within our communities too in in ways that are powerfully meaningful um it's a place where i get immense energy and awesome joy from awesome um, that, that answers my question yeah. because that sounds like you were filling your cup along with um, putting on the hard work to actually create a really successful event. I think that's very reassuring to me that you were um, regenerating, feeling, getting the the flow back into yourself as well. Mm. Because I, I got to say that event was incredible, not only from the diversity of um, experience and thought on the stage, on the panel, but also in the audience. Mm. Um, and you did ask of us to be comfortable with our discomfort collectively, being mindful of everyone's shared experience within that. Um, and I looked around and was like, wow, there are so many different beings in this space. When else would I have been asked to consider the comfort of all of these strangers? It was just such a wonderful experience from my end as well. <laughs> yeah. And I must add the generative aspect for me. So it wasn't just a panel. There was a creative process involved. Mm. Mm. There was film involved oh, because we screened Fina. We <sighs> held it in a cinema. So even the location. The location, the oh. Avondale or uh, Hollywood cinema, yeah. very important, right? So we really thought about and when I think about generative space I always think beyond the body recognizing our body holds all of the relationships mm. that we will ever encounter and those relationships can also be strengthened through placemaking so mm. that's what we were all also doing placemaking and also collective memory making so all these ways in which we can make connection both physical and ethereal um yeah not not enough is done around how people feel in spaces so agreed agreed i think you're you're speaking you're preaching to the choir because i truly believe that there's a gift to hosting um, and that sense of compassion and 
dedication to someone's comfort um, is a job. And when, when it's left out, gosh, do you feel it? Do you feel the lack of it? And, and you can recover from it if you have the, the spoons, the energy back up. But if you kind of walked into a space and you're not welcomed and you're not made to feel well and you don't have capacity to manage like your own energy levels, God, that could really reverse the intention of the whole gathering. Yeah. And in a way, what I'm doing also, and Did I only, us? yeah, oh, <laughs> there's always food, always food. But what I recognize, and it's something I mentioned to you before we began this podcast, is this notion of what rehearsing freedoms mm. looks like. So for me, so many times I have been in spaces where I have not been welcomed because I'm either the wrong ethnic group, um, not part of one of the dominant ethnic groups that we have in our communities or um, the status because our communities measures and marks itself on status, really patriarchal forms of sense making about who an individual is and Mm -hmm. what they have to contribute. Mm -hmm. And so for a number of us in our collective, it is about what is the kind of space that we would love to be in and part of. And I think one of the biggest gifts that I've received and others in the group have received is like, you know, our queer sisters basically also said, this feels safe for us. Uh, nice. And that was never, I'm not saying it was never an intention. All it was was how, how, can, we, how can we hold the soul and the human experience of you as an individual? So even beyond the laboring uh, the the labeling of my man woman you know mm-hmm. those restrictive labelings and and really i would say yeah that's what we yeah want to be about we're here to have this crazy human experience and it's just a finite breath so let us be in communion together. Mm. Tell me more about the phrase. This is, I'm going to pour myself some more tea while I do this. Are you good with tea as well? There we go. We're drinking Manaki. It's <laughs> the name of the tea. Very nice. I know, right? Um, there, there's a phrase that you've communicated that I don't know if I've wrapped my head around yet. And it's around, the, you, the word liberation is the only part that I've retained thus far. Can you can you revisit this with me? The idea of liberation. Uh, you said s- rehearsing. Yeah, liberation. Rehearsing freedom. Freedom. Okay. So this is a concept from Ruth Wilson Gilmore. Mm. She is an African American activist and a pr- prison abolitionist and she talks about this idea of reimagining the social order Mm. and how we might be to how we might collectively liberate ourselves 
from oppression. So for me, what that means for me is is we are so interconnected Mm -hmm. and we might be able to say that theoretically and in conversation, Mm -hmm. but really what does that look like practically, seeing, hearing, breathing? And that's the... That's the piece that we're all challenged with every single day Mm. in terms of how that interconnectedness might show up for us every single day, but also what might disrupt that. Yeah. And just personally, in my own experience, the work has to be done every day and it's not the big gestures it's in the small, it's in the small things that we might do for each other that supports us to see each other and to then understand, you know, because so much also that I see in community, I, I, I often wonder, and when I talk about community, I'm thinking about just from sitting within ethnic communities i've never mm-hmm. i've never deliberately thought of myself as being part of the ethnic community and i'm not sure whether i am or if i am just part of community nice okay yep and and i've kind of lost my thread a bit i hope you can cut that little bit <laughs> no no it's good out you- because um it it requires it requires some um thinking and so what I have often observed is when there are issues for particular groups within the richness of a hundred and hundred and seventy ethnicities yeah. that um, live and make home in Aotearoa, often see that it's only the individuals from the group that are impacted often stand up and say something, mm-hmm. but there's nobody else there to support them. Mm. And I wonder what that is about. I mentioned earlier that um, I was born and raised in the UK. Mm. And so that is something that I didn't see. So, and there may be a number of responses to that, but what I saw in the UK was when there was an issue for one of the communities, mm-hmm. um, be that from the black community, the Asian community, white working class, we were all together. We stood up for things together, but I don't see that so much here. And that was just a conversation also, just just speaking with friends. How do we, how do we move past Yes. That point. Do you think it is because of our kind of collective age difference in terms of um, New Zealand as a, as a nation that we know it today in terms of it's like colonial age being younger? Yeah, I'm, I'm really unsure. I couldn't really confidently put my finger on it, but just to express some 
difference. So, for example, the current immigration policy mm-hmm. into Aotearoa, mm-hmm. if my parents were to try and come here, they would never have been allowed into the country. Whereas in the UK, the policies at the time, and I just want to share the UK that I'm talking about, it's not a perfect place by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a place that I know well. Mm. So the immigration policies at the time allowed people from the colonies to come and make home in the UK regardless of the amount of money that you had. So I wonder if it's part of the the class. We don't talk about the class system in this country. Yeah. But I'm wondering whether that system, that modulating system has something to do with the idea of, mm, oh, that's for them to sort out, that's not mine. But we don't actually realise if we really understood that we're all interconnected, that is our business, Yes, you know. And that's something that we continually try and have conversations on with regards to if our Māori whānau are not treated well mm-hmm. in Aotearoa, how, do, how would you ever consider that you are going to be treated well? That's not the reason that you would stand with Māori. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really just for us to reflect and also do the work, the work. ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And we all have work to do, not just some of us. All of us. All of us. And the work. For each of us, it looks different. Absolutely. You know, because we're engaging with the oppressive systems differently. And they are the systems engaging and seeing us differently. And the systems also work in a way of um, differential inclusion. Oh, interesting. So you as an individual, whoever you are, get to be included at this point but at this point oh we're going to look at excluding you we'll we'll include you but what that creates is an environment of scarcity so in an environment of scarcity creates mindsets of scarcity which you know um, nothing good comes out of scarce mindsets you know Um, and it comes out in the way people speak, the way systems speak, yeah. and what is done and what is not done, what is said and what is kept silent, so many things. For me, I feel like it's really important to personally clarify the point that you're making around um, differential exclusion being different <laughs> than um, necessary uh creating like particular safe places for people that need it you know so like equity isn't sameness equality isn't sameness there are people that need specialized support and specialized community spaces just for them Mm. to be able to work through things that are particular to their lived experience it's not necessarily the same thing as what you're saying around standing up um even if i'm not maudie i'm standing up 
for fair treatment for Māori, um, that, the, that those two things can exist at the same time. Um, that felt important for me to like mentally and, and actually say out loud, <laughs> I don't know, for my own brain. Yeah. I think it would be more differential inclusion. So it gives you the it gives you the illusion that you are being considered ah, yeah, and yeah, included. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. in actual fact, that's not what is happening at all. Okay. Yeah. But again, the point that you were sharing too acts in a similar way. And then the other thing that I was thinking about when you were um, describing connectedness and freedom, the imposed separation that we have with the natural environment. Um, most of our um, public spaces are devoid of um, green spaces. I, let, I, mean, I feel like sometimes Aotearoa does a good job with that, but overall, I think humanity is pretty good at creating our own man-made cages by separating ourselves from the natural environment, not giving ourselves enough opportunity to commune with the um, plants and landscapes that are connected to us. And, mm. and therefore we are less free because we don't see ourselves as connected to the natural environment. That's where I was going when you <laughs> talked about freedom. But yeah, so universally we're all thinking about freedom irregardless of the, the very real issue of prison um, systems. Mm. Where do you personally want to be um, deepening your participation? In terms of in the work that I do, mm -hmm. it's really centered on how to be in relationship with each other. Mm. I think that that is like lifetimes work mm. too. I've also recognized that so, so much of the stuff that I have been involved in at times has felt so draining, so labor intensive, so joyless that I'm incredibly mindful that how I might also engage in the part requires joyfulness mm. and also requires how do we recenter stories and narratives mm. of our communities that sustain and lift and support us to dream because everybody knows the victim narrative yeah and the victim narrative is continually um the playbook that is at play and so part of the work is also getting away from certain things. And I'm just going to, I want to give a shout out here to yeah. your friend and my friend, Makanakatue. She'll be listening. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love what Maka is doing in the world. The many iterations of Maka too. Yeah. So understanding that we are not just one individual. We can be multiple mm. individuals and expressions mm. at the same time. And for me, that is what being alive is about. So part of the work mm. is about being alive mm. 
alive in your body, alive in your senses, and as much as humanly possible, although we are not all perfect, we have our angry days, we have our rage, rage days, to, to be not be held up as the perfect human. Mm. So not to be held to standards that are external to us mm. and moving beyond the the binary of white supremacy yeah and and so and whatever that work looks like really so um yeah i mean one of my favorite words is transformation and it goes hand in hand with joy because it should be a joyful process it the catalyst isn't always a source of joy yeah but the option to embody joy while experiencing transformation is usually available in some degree. Yeah. And yeah, muck it definitely embodies joy. <laughs> no, abs- absolutely. Hard out. Ah. I, I'm just I'm just blown away <laughs> by all the things she's able to kind of fit in to her life. And of course I've got a couple of her products, the facial steam and the bath salts, mm-hmm. which she so generously so- sent me and even in the making of what we do with our hands, there is so much love. And and being in love in community, being in community care, that is also part of, it's not part of, that is the mahi, to be in community. Deeply. I'm with you there. Ooh. Ah, um, based on your own response um, practice, um, I'm wondering about your own intentions with solidarity, the intention to listen, the intention to understand. I'm wondering about my my own capacity um, and where my motivations lie. I've been listening to some really amazing chat around where does our philanthropic desire stem from? Are we doing it for selfish reasons? And then, okay, yes. And then what do we do to manage our own purpose and place and role within this space? You know, like long and circuitous wind up for you there, but what, what, based on what I just said, what springs to mind for you? Mm. So what immediately springs to mind for me is back to the woman of colour community. So something that colonialism, white supremacy, imperialism has sought to really do is really separate us out And when you come from spaces, you have history and heritage from places, colonies that were colonized, your cultures ridiculed, your resources taken. That also takes from the generations of people that have had to live and be in those spaces and continue to. So... When I think about 
the solidarity work, being in community, being in love, what, however you wish to describe it, whatever feels right for you. The work is personally for my own healing journey because we're all on a healing journey in some forms, but also to be able to see and know deep down in your bones how powerful being in relationship with each other can really be. Yes. And so that fundamentally is what drives me. I have been in spaces where I have heard many stories, also shared my own stories about the traumas that have gone on mm. and how that is manifested even in women's relationships from our communities with yeah. each other. Yeah. And and supporting ways of how we don't bleed on each other because then colonialism gets to win. Yeah. Um and injustice to Māori get to win. So many other things get to win. Mm. And so it speaks to healthy boundaries to me, what you're saying. Yeah. Not bleeding on someone else. Yeah. So part, yeah. So there are so many. I mean, that's a big question that you've offered there, <laughs> Rudo, just to kind of wind, wind us down. But it's a question every day. And I ask myself the opposite question. What if I did not do this work? It wasn't work that I set out thinking, oh, I'm just going to do this work. This is my work. It's uh, it's work that calls you. It's people that call you. And it's the work found me because, and it, the work asked me a question. And the question was, what are you prepared to put up with? What are you prepared to tolerate? What are you prepared to almost betray? Mm. Mm. You know, what are you prepared to betray and what are you prepared to do in also participate in the gaslighting? Yeah, the witnessing. And and the witnessing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the work asked me some really big questions. That's fantastic. I love it. You always help me. Um, find the balance between the ferocity that I expect of myself, but also the flip side of that coin. What if I weren't that way? Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. I love it. Um, given that this episode is both time-based, but also hopefully time-less, mm. and part of a chapter of series of conversations that we have online and offline, is there anything... Um, happening in the now that you wanted to share or um, celebrate, whatever? <laughs> oh, I really wish to celebrate the amazing humans that I already know, I'm being introduced to, I'm going into other people's spaces, um, but also 
the growth of Manawaka'o in terms of what we're hoping to offer. We're we're a small volunteer space and we are lucky enough to have a trust umbrella us. Cool. So they can apply for funding for us. We're continuing putting on healing justice experiences. That's how we like to describe them. And so we've had a number of Indigenous carving experiences where we've had people come together and make Ponamu. We've got so excited on the 27th of May, we have Jasmine Tuya, who is a Samoan tapamaka, coming to hold an experience <laughs> with us. So we're just getting our socials and media sorted to kind of push that out. Awesome. Um, and yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, so they're part of the things. And we've had a couple of other spaces approach us saying, hey, look, let's hold a conversation together. So what I am excited about is the now is that, you know, we never want to do anything by ourselves. Mm. Um, and so that is also part of how we rehearse freedoms. It's mm. not just our hand or hands. We want multiple hands in the space. We want multiple perspectives in the space. And so that's what gives me energy and vitality. Sometimes gives me a bit of heartache too. Mm. You're just keeping it real, just in terms of having to, you know, make sure things are organized and stuff. But on the whole, um, that is what I'm really excited about. The the collaborations and the potential and in every engagement it's always okay how might we reiterate or iterate a rehearsal of freedom so that's yeah that's how i'll end gorgeous oh thank you so much Oh, I'll leave it to a bit of gratitude. Um, the now for me is that we're going into an autumnal phase, which I love. I love the thinness of the veil at this time where I hear whispers and I feel it in my bones. There's just something a little bit cool and liminal going on right now. So wherever you are, dear listener, listening to this, I hope that you're experiencing the seasons and your own personal seasons in a, in a relaxed and regulated way and that you've enjoyed our chat. I feel like I'll have Ara back on again. <laughs> Obsessed. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. I'll be Rudo dropping. having me. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, I'll be dropping some uh, links in the show notes for how you can engage um, and experience the many offerings that is Ara Alam Simmons. Thank you so much, and I'll see you again soon. We're nearing the end of season one, Koto, but kakitiano ho, ya Koto. 